Hello, everyone, and welcome to week 14 of Cliss's Mic Drop. Boy, the time is starting to finally uh, move along here in 2020. Not too much left in this uh, COVID season, this COVID year. Uh, so many struggles for everyone. The Broncos have had more than their fair share. As much as they tried to tighten up things with the protocols and they seem to be way ahead of the game compared to any uh, all the other NFL franchises and as far as having their safeguards in place, they still got hit with the, with the virus uh, as much as uh, any team. Probably, uh, you know, I'd say top five, not, not in the top three, not like Tennessee or Baltimore, but... Um, or New England earlier, but then it's the Broncos, you know, fourth or fifth as far as having virus cases. And here they are, four and eight, uh, after they play a uh, highly competitive game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I told you last week it might be like this. I thought I, I said on the podcast last week that I thought the Broncos would cover. The primary reason, it was kind of a backhanded compliment, that the primary reason is I didn't think the Chiefs would be playing at their peak performance. Uh, they'd come in red hot. Mahomes was sizzling. Uh, they've got some uh, uh, big road games ahead against Miami and, and New, or uh, New Orleans, or New Orleans, I, I believe. So, uh, in, in, in how do they? How do the Chiefs take the Broncos seriously after they beat them ten times in a row and uh, blew them out uh, in routes three times in a row? So, um, you know how they say. Um, you know, when two teams get together, the superior team could win nine out of ten if they played ten times. Well, that was the one time the Broncos could have won. I thought all the breaks were going their way. Two touchdowns to Tyreek Hill uh, uh, didn't count. Um, and then uh, it just looked like Mahomes was off a little bit. Uh, uh, some penalties were going the Broncos' way. The Broncos were playing well, too. Uh, Fangio had, them, uh, had that red zone defense going. Uh, they're number one in red zone. Washington passed them this week, but uh, it was encouraging in one sense how the Broncos played, but discouraging that, uh, you know, that's about as, as close as you can get to Kansas City and, and not win. That's uh, that's a little discouraging. Now, now they only got 10 more years of trying to beat uh, Patrick Mahomes and taking him on uh, twice a year. Um, the big news of the week, A.J. Boye. Uh, it suspended uh, six games uh, for violating the league's performance-enhancing uh, policy. Uh, got caught up in, you know, there's a, there's a Houston area a medical professor, uh, uh, professional who, uh, you know, gave these guys supplements, and they thought it was all legal and, and everything and uh, legal by the NFL drug policy. It turned out to not be. A uh, couple of Texans... Uh, uh, got caught up on it, Will F uh, Fuller and Bradley Roby. Uh, they got suspended six games last week. Uh, they did not, from what I understand, they did not appeal. They just took their sentencing and moved on. A.J. Boye appealed yesterday, that or, or appealed Tuesday, I should say, and it didn't work. He got the same six-game suspension. He was to make $13.5 million, give or take, this year. He will have to forfeit 3.1 million in that uh, stiff penalty uh, because you do not get paid when you are uh, suspended. Um, Melvin Gordon, a big week last week. He, he breaks out for 131 yards against the Chiefs. Uh, he has this week against Carolina, then a court date. And the court date seems uh, strategically placed to where uh, if he enters a plea, and he is going to enter a plea on Monday, 
then at that point, if it's synced up with the NFL, he can just uh, serve his three-game suspension. For a DUI infraction, any type of DUI infraction, it's a three-game suspension. So it could be that uh, Melvin Gordon's going to play this game against Carolina like it's his, his last. And uh, thank goodness it's uh, Christian McCaffrey week. Uh, four years after McCaffrey was drafted with the number eight overall pick by Carolina, um, he finally plays the Broncos, and it's not here in Denver. Wouldn't have been any fans anyway. Ed and Lisa and, and the brothers couldn't attend anyway because uh, there are no fans at Empower Field for the for the rest of the year. But uh, it'll be exciting. Christian has had the worst, or toughest, I should say. I don't, I don't want to say worst, but toughest season of his football life. He missed uh, six games with a high ankle sprain, came back for one game against the Chiefs, and then missed three more with a separated shoulder. So uh, nine games missed for uh, one of the more durable running backs in recent NFL history. He's an NFL, uh, you know, every down, literally an every down back. Last year he had 1,400 yards rushing, over 1,000 yard receiving, a remarkable double-double. Um, so... Good to have Christian back and playing against his former team. We were able to talk to him uh, earlier in the week, and that story on Christian is up on 9news.com if you want to uh, give that a look. Um, also, just uh, uh, some other news of the week. Uh, Paul Howard uh, died on, on Saturday, the longtime Broncos right guard. Uh, got a chance to have lunch with Dave Studdard and uh, Ron Egloff, two of his former teammates. Uh, at Skippy's uh, there. It's, I, I thought it was in Aurora, but I guess it's un, unincorporated Denver um, off Iliff there and um, had a nice conversation with them. Got a nice story. A lot of good stories on Paul Howard. Um, I guess Paul didn't like to, uh, he didn't like Friday practice. He liked to tie one on Thursday, sometimes slept in on Friday, showed up Saturday and was, um, was a monster right guard on Sundays. Um, so uh, had a nice visit with uh, Dave Studdard and Ron Egloff talking about uh, Paul Howard, who died Saturday at the age of 70 uh, from complications from severe edema. So uh, uh, our condolences out there to the uh, Paul Howard uh, family, his wife Jackie, and two daughters. Um, also, uh, Steve Watson's got a book. We, we put that out there, a coach's playbook on how to build character and youth give that uh, a read on 9news.com and we also sat down this week with Sam Martin the fine first year punter for the Broncos he's a, a first year with the with the Broncos but in uh, let's see he's been in the league since 2013 when he was a fifth round draft pick out of Appalachian State by the Detroit Lions and after hanging out with uh, Matt Prater and holding for Matt Prater the, for uh, seven years six seven eight years He's now holding for uh, Brandon McManus. Uh, two favorite kickers for the uh, uh, for Broncos country. We like Matt because uh, not only did he have terrific range and not only an altitude, but he was also so clutch, especially in that 2011 season with Tebow. Um, Prater is just nailing 50 yarders and after 50 yarders in either uh, overtime or at the end of regulation. So. Um, Sam Martin uh, uh, hit it off pretty good with him. Uh, uh, one of my favorite interviews uh, that I've had this year. I think you're going to enjoy it. And then uh, listen to this interview that we had with Sam. And then on the other end, we'll talk about Carolina, 
Christian McCaffrey and kind of uh, recap the week that was again with the Denver Broncos. So uh, on Cliss's mic drop here, uh, the Broncos about ready to play game 13 in week 14. Here is Sam Martin. joining us. Let me uh, begin by saying uh, I deny everything McMahon has said about me. Uh, <laughs> Noted. <laughs> the uh, Appalachian State, uh, were you, did you guys have an upset or two when you were there? Uh, unfortunately, I missed, I missed the, uh, the big upset in Michigan. That was 07. I got there 08. And uh, we had some close ones with East Carolina and Virginia Tech when I was there, but never, never could replicate. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the Michigan game I was thinking of. I was hoping you were a part of that. I just missed uh, it. I got you. The uh, growing up playing soccer is that something that uh, is that the way to the NFL? If you want to be a punter and a kicker, do you tell kids that that uh, don't be afraid to play soccer if you if you want to kick in the NFL? Uh, I definitely think there's something to it. I don't think it's uh, really necessary, but you know. I think the two paths are you have, you have the kids who are kicking from a young age and, and you know, for 10, 15 years uh, before they get to college, and then you got the kids who played soccer their whole life and decide to kick. You know, I didn't kick a football until my senior year in high school. So it's, um, I think there's two different routes to it, but there's definitely something to be said about leg speed and, and strength and, and that kind of stuff that, that you develop from playing soccer. You were drafted uh, out of Appalachian State in the fifth round by the Lions, and you made it uh, as, as a rookie. It's still unusual for a punter to be drafted in the NFL. Why do you think that is? After you went through your rookie season, why do you think it is that uh, so many of these guys have to be uh, undrafted free agents for a year or two before they get the shot? Um, you know, there's there's probably multiple theories behind that, but I think a big one for me was being drafted and coming into uh, an organization knowing that I, they wanted me. They wanted me bad enough to draft me. I was there for a reason. I was there to, to, for the job to be mine. And I think that plays a lot into confidence and, um, and just mentality going into the season. That, you know, I'm, they, they spend a pick on me. They're, I'm here for a reason type thing. So I think that that definitely helps a lot um, rather than coming in as an undrafted guy, maybe even have to compete, beat someone out kind of in that middle, that gray area, um, you know, some, sometimes that brings the best out of people as well, though. So, but for me, it was, I stepped into Detroit with a mentality of they wanted me bad enough to spend a draft pick on me. I, I'm, I got to succeed type thing. So I think it, it can go either way. But for me, the biggest thing, I think it was me, just my confidence level was high as a rookie. How's it been kicking in altitude uh, in, in Denver? I know a lot. Of, I talked, I used to talk to Britton Colquitt about this. You know Britain. Yep, yep. And uh, and everybody thinks if you kick in Denver, you know you should average seventy yards in the gross and and sixty five yards in the net. It just doesn't work with that. Has there been adjustment because of how the ball travels so well in Denver? Um, yes and no. I'd say the spiral, the real tight spiral type punts. You know that you guys see me hit to the right often. Um, those balls, because the, 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 the physics of it, the aerodynamics, it's, it's already kind of slicing through the air. So I don't notice much on those. But the end-over-end ball you'll see in the, the pooch punt territory or, or the, the, what we call the Louis punt where I kind of show right and pull it left, those end-over-end balls, you know, they don't cut through the air as easily. So the thinner air, you see those traveling a little bit further. But 
you know, I, I, Prater, it's funny because my whole career with Prater, he always, he always thought people, you know, accredited his big leg to the altitude. And he's like, it's not like that. When you get there, you'll see it's not like that. And, and it is, there is a difference in those end over end balls and kickoffs and field goals. But to me, it's minimal. It's not something I game plan. Oh, I'm not at altitude. I can't do this. Or now I'm at altitude. I can do that. So it's, it's really minute. And um, it all just depends on contact and, and, and that kind of thing. But sure, sure, those end over end balls do a few yards maybe, but nothing crazy in my opinion. To me, one thing that looks like it's a high-pressure job and no one ever pays attention to it is holding on, on, the, on the place kicks, you know, especially uh, you're down by one, three seconds to go, here comes the extra point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you've handled it. When did you start feeling comfortable or were you comfortable right away your rookie year? Uh, holding in the NFL? No, I'd say, um, so yeah, I, I joke with people that all the time that holding is definitely, in my opinion, the highest pressure thing because it is so unnoticeable and no one really pays attention to it until you mess a hold up, you know, so, and in a reason for a missed kick or whatever. So, um, no, when I came to the league, David Akers was my kicker. He was a lefty, and I kicked field goals in college also, so I wasn't a holder. So I had to learn how to hold for a left in my rookie year, and to say I was bad, let's be putting it lightly, I was not a very good holder as a lefty for the lefty and probably just in general because I'd never done it. So um, I really prided myself after my rookie year to to um, get excellent at holding. And um, so I focused, I focused really hard on it. I ended up getting a righty kicker and have had one since then. Um, so it was something I really prided myself on. It took work, you know, spinning the laces around, hitting the spot, um, tempo, rhythm, all that. So it's it's uh it's it looks on tv like it's just a simple catch in place but it actually takes a lot of work and 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 you just you want to be perfect for your kicker obviously because you know that's you got you pretty much have the fate of that guy's job in your hands to a certain extent so i took a lot of pride on it after my first year and 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 tried to tried to you know try to get as best i could at it and today it's something i you know i pride myself in my holding personally you're the foremost expert on uh, broncos country's two favorite kickers Matt Prater was really well liked here and uh, highly successful here for about four years, and then Brandon McManus uh, was a little roughened, but he's uh, sensational now. You tell us what's the difference uh, between the two kickers. Oh man, you're gonna get me in trouble, Mike. I know. <laughs> no, I. Uh... You're the only guy, though. You're the only guy who can answer this question properly. Yeah, I, I would say they're both excellent. Obviously, they're both top tier kickers. Uh, historically, both two of the strongest legs to ever be in the league. You know, and I'm fortunate to play with both of them. Um, but the, the the thing I'd say about both of them is they have very similar mentalities. You know, they go out there and they just do their job. They're not worried about missing. They're not worried about the win. They're not worried about. Anything else is just show up and kick type thing. So, and, and from my from my personal experience, I think that's the intangible that makes a good kicker is is the mindset. Obviously, the leg strength is great and all that. Like they both they both have. But what impresses me the most, and which I actually try pulling, I've always tried pulling that same mentality from Prater, and now I got Brandon here. It's you know, just to lack of a better way to put it, care less. You know, just go out there and just put the ball through the pipes type mentality. And that's that's what both of them do. They don't overanalyze. They just go out there and perform. And, when it comes to leg strength and whatnot, you know, it's hard to compare. I had Prater at the, you know, more towards the end of his career, and, um, you know, he's been playing for a while. And they both, they both though, don't, you know, they both are extremely impressive, as you, you've seen them both. The ball comes off their foot, not like most kickers, and the ball really flies. So I've been fortunate to work with both of them, but I'd say the, the, their mentality is what I think really makes both of them great. You didn't get in trouble at all. You're going to have to. Yeah. You like that? I, that was, uh, I was ready. I've been ready for that question for a while now. <laughs> yeah, the uh, 
the Broncos, uh, you all you've known were the Lions before this, and and now the Broncos. What is? I know it's difficult to compare, especially since things are so wacky at Broncos headquarters with the pandemic. But what are some things that kind of stood out to you, the Broncos organization, as far as how they go about their business for the players? Um, you know, it's it is hard to compare. I've gone through well, one, two, three. This is my fourth head coach, I guess, and. Um, you know, every organization kind of has their similarities because some way or another, someone's connected somehow. So, um, but I, just to focus on it here, I just really like how, um, you know, a lot of the accountability falls on the players. You know, we're not micromanaged. Um, it's it's all about, you know, being a pro. And um, you kind of got to take it up on, upon yourself to to make make sure you're ready and, and, and you know, be prepared to do your job type thing. And, and I think that in the NFL, that's probably the way to go, in my opinion, from what I've seen, um, kind of overhandling and, and, and that kind of stuff can be detrimental. So I've just really enjoyed the culture here in, in Denver. I think it's between that, the great group of coaches and, and, the, and the locker room in general, you know, I've really enjoyed just the, the, the presence, the ambiance and, and the culture that this, that this place brings. It's been, it's been really comforting and refreshing, really. Listen, uh, you're a great sport. We really appreciate you stopping by and talking. And, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I'd say uh, shoot them straight, but uh, that's not what you're supposed to do. No, you got to shoot them right. Shoot them wide. Shoot them wide. Yeah, there you go. And shoot them high. So, anyway, Sam, good luck to you the rest of the year. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Welcome back to Clissa's Mic Drop, and thank you very much to Sam Martin for that uh, excellent visit we had with the Broncos punter. He's a good one. Good punter, good guy. So uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Now we look uh, ahead to the Carolina Panthers and the Broncos going to Carolina and, uh, uh, you know, taking on the Panthers. I think it's the first time they've gone there since uh, 2008 when Jay Cutler was there. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. No, they were there and uh, Manning was there uh, and John Fox, I think in 2012 maybe. So um, first time since 2012, Broncos won that game. Uh, Broncos generally won all the games when Peyton Manning was a quarterback. They've had so many quarterbacks since Manning retired in 2015. That's one of the overall narratives among the national reporters as they look in on the Broncos. Is Drew Locke the guy? You know, he's ranked 32nd and he's been ranked 31st, 32nd, even 33rd uh, throughout this season since he came back from that shoulder strain uh, and his second full start against New England. Uh, Nine touchdown passes against 13 interceptions. Just uh, not good enough. Um, He's going to really have to play well, Drew Locke is, here in the final four games. I asked Vic Fangio this week if he would want to also take a look at another um, young quarterback. Brett Rippon came in at the same time as Locke. Um, The difference is, uh, you know, Locke has a, a, you know, a superior physical skill set. But I think Rippon has has some other intangibles that, uh, you know, I, I just, I think he commands things better offensively. I think he reads better. He knows where to go with the ball quicker. I think they should take a look at Brett Rippon for a game or two, but uh, Fangio says uh, that has not been discussed yet. So 
Uh, like it's uh, another chance, uh, chance after chance after chance after 16 or after 14 career starts. And that, is, that you know, maybe uh, you should get to at least 16 games for Drew Locke. Um, but after 14 games, he's 7-7 seven and seven with 16 touchdown passes against 16 interceptions. So uh, we'll see what happens this week against uh, the Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, Christian McCaffrey are going to be taking on a depleted Broncos secondary. They lost uh, Bryce Callahan a week ago to a foot injury. He's on injured reserve. There's a chance he uh, would come back in the final two games, but I I don't know, I just kind of doubt it because it's the same foot that's given him so much problems the last couple of years. Uh, you've got uh, also Isang Bassi, who got caught up on that slippery Arrowhead Stadium uh, grass in the end zone trying to cover Sammy Watkins. Uh, Bassey went down uh, with a torn ACL. He's out for the year. And then um, A.J. Boye, the $13.5 million a year cornerback uh, that the Broncos picked up from Jacksonville this offseason. He suspended six games uh, for a uh, substance that uh, the league determined uh, was uh, in violation of their performance enhance enhancement policy. I don't know enough to blame the league or, or you know, if the, if the player was the victim here. Um, I, I, you know, it, it is on the player, though. I, I kind of agree with that. If you go outside uh, Greek's uh, supplemental room that they provide at the Broncos, I, I, I just, you're asking for trouble. I, I don't understand uh, why you would do that. Uh, you know, I know you want peak performance, and, and this is a highly competitive environment. You want proper sleep. You want proper energy. But you're just taking too much of a risk, and there's too much money to lose. Boye going to forfeit $3.1 million in game checks uh, this year alone. That doesn't include next year. So I don't think Boye, Boye will be back next year. Broncos got to make a decision on Von Miller, who has uh, – 18 million, 19 million on his contract next year, final year of that big deal. Uh, Vaughn not out practicing again this week, so I would say um, that at most, if he returns next week to practice, he can only play the final two. He will not play the final three, uh, and it's looking more and more like uh, he won't return uh, this season. Jarrell Casey, he'll be 31 next year. He's uh, scheduled to make big money. He had a season-ending injury. Um, Kareem Jackson's got some age on him, so uh, uh, Broncos really have to revamp, uh, restructure that defense. They they went a long way with offense this year, and it was too young to execute without offseason, without a preseason, with a brand-new offensive coordinator. And uh, next year, uh, Elway is going to have to uh, – uh, restructure that defense. So uh, we'll see. It's a it's it's not a big game against Carolina. None of these are big games. The Broncos aren't going to the playoffs. Uh, but you know you can learn something. It's about frankly, it's learning more, getting getting uh, uh, building on the body of work for Drew Locke, so they can decide going into the off season whether they need whether Drew Locke should be the guy whether Drew Locke should uh, uh, have competition against either one of the veterans out there or you go back in the draft and in the first and second round, you get a quarterback again. There's there's five uh, first-round quarterbacks. Go over them. Trevor Lawrence of Cle Clemson. He's going to either the Jets or Jacksonville. They're picking one, two. 
Uh, Justin Fields of Ohio State. You figure Jacksonville's taking one of these uh, top quarterbacks. Kyle Trask of Florida. Uh, Zach Wilson of BYU and Trey Lance of North Dakota State. Those are your top five uh, quarterbacks that you hear about. Uh, Auburn's also, or uh, Alabama has got a quarterback too that might be uh, a first round type guy. So um, we'll see. I think I, I wouldn't discount the Broncos taking a quarterback in the first round. Um, or you get a veteran. You know, there's Matthew Stafford. People are saying. Uh, you know, Rivers will be available probably again. Maybe Carson Wentz. Um, so we'll see um, it, but, uh, what the Broncos uh, do there. So again this week, uh, Blake Bortles is in quarantine. and um, But anyway, at Carolina for game 13, when the Broncos are 5-8, and eight, lose their 4-9. Uh, they're, they're picking 10th uh, right now. If the season ended today, they're picking 10th. A uh, bunch of teams are at four and eight, so there's a chance they can uh, get into the sixth uh, draft position by the time this is all over. And if you're sixth, you can get a quarterback, and uh, maybe that's what they do. We'll see. Anyway, uh, that's it for Clissa's mic drop. Thanks for uh, for tuning in, and thank you to Sam Martin. I uh, hope you enjoyed the interview we had with him. Go again. Go to ninenews.com. We have kind of the uh, ode to Paul, Paul Howard. The great right guard who passed away over the weekend. Uh, Steve Watson has a has a new uh, uh, playbook for for coaching youth. Um, we've got the Boyer stories. We've got uh, Drew Locke and and we've got uh, Cliss's mic drop. So thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you again next week as the Broncos get ready to play at home on a Saturday night against the Buffalo Bills. Saturday, I should say, but still Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Take it easy, everybody.